Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open-and-shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Like I'm this weird, demented pervert that somehow is working for the paper. Steve Murray is a funny dude. I don't really know him. I, I met him briefly at a couple of uh, of children's birthday parties, actually. But I know of him. I know his work in the National Post, his cartoons, his graphics. I know his videos as Todd Diamond. I, I read his funny tweets as NP Steve. And I'm also aware of his alter ego, Chip Zdarsky. Chip is, uh, among other things, the name that Steve uses when he draws comic books and and some of those comic books have just been banned by Apple in their iTunes store. It's a story that is uh, making headlines uh, all throughout the tech and entertainment industries. There's no small amount of hypocrisy there. I'm going to get into it with Steve in a moment. It's an interesting issue, but more than anything, it gives me an excuse to talk to this guy who I have wanted to talk to uh, for a long time. So uh, hold on for that. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. 
And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. All right. My sponsor, as always, is FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com. You can try it out for free for 30 days. Painless billing, cloud accounting. Check it out. FreshBooks.com. You would draw at the post? Yeah. Yeah, I was drawing traditionally. I'd be working with ink and Bristol board and just doing it right there at my shitty little desk. So you're an in-house illustrator and you were like the first thing you'd see when you when you yeah. step into the post. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, which I, I didn't mind, but like, like I was losing two hours a day on the commute and probably an hour a day on people stopping by my desk and going, hey, I used to draw. Right. Well, that, was, that was cool. <laughs> I'm feeling embarrassed. I think when I met you, I the first thing I said was like, hey, oh, I, I used to draw cartoons, man. No, you actually did. Like everyone that comes to my desk was like, you know, I used to draw when I was five. Yeah. That doesn't count. Yeah. Off. I know. Like, what? We all drew when we were five. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a cool kind of idea, though, of like an in-house illustrator in a newsroom. You infographics, cartoons. Dance. Dance, modern and tap. <laughs> like, you have the dream job that I imagined for myself when I was 14. Like, yeah. what, like, it would be really cool if I could, like, draw comics, but also do, like, like tell jokes. Yeah. And the only thing's missing is skateboarding. Yeah. You know, from when you're 14, but that's about it. Yeah. It feels very modern to me because illustration, graphics, video, like just the way that I think that people are coming up now where you learn all these different tricks. It's not just a a straight ahead, like I draw illustration. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of out of necessity. And also like I went to Sheridan College for illustration and even there within the program, they knew like, you're not just going to come out and be drawing. Yeah. Like, so we had like design and computer courses and they talk about storyboard stuff and, uh, yeah, there's a real design uh, ethic to to, to the stuff you do. Yeah. But so so that's what feels contemporary about it to me. And then there's also this sort of historical connection where 
drawings used to be a big deal in newspapers. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that, and that, that almost like the, that was like the in-house comedian. You'd have all these very serious-minded news people and then this incredible latitude and freedom afforded to you know, the class clown yeah. who could say things that nobody else could say. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, even like copy editors of the paper who are like so strict with the rules of language, they just kind of give me a pass. It was like, well, it's a, it's a Steve Murray column. We're not going to uh, be putting the commas in and changing the wording here and there to be proper English. Like, people expect this to not be like everything else in the paper. So that's a that's sweet nice. gig. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it took a long time to get there because I started there as like, like I was saying, like a graphics guy. So I was doing the maps and stock charts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I realized, like, man, like papers really need to fill space. Like, what if I pitch something that was the visual and the written? And then they don't have to like hire a photographer or hire an artist for this piece or, uh, t- you know, team me up with a writer. And and what was the first thing you pitched that was um, well, when words and the, pictures? When the Post had the Avenue page, that was like, that was a huge deal. Like, you know, they had to fill that every day. And I, I saw that as the opportunity. So I, I started doing like these um, official guides. So it was like the National Post official guide to Thanksgiving, which was all just like, like ludicrous pie charts and like it was still kind of graphic, but I was throwing in tons of jokes and it was clearly mocking. Yeah. The infographic stuff feels like spy magazine or like mad magazine, but like a little bit more polished. Yeah. Yeah. And Avenue was a good place for that. Um, It's trickier to pull off in the A section of the paper just because, you know, I wouldn't necessarily butt heads, but like the, the, the head of graphics would be like, that's a little close to our style. Like, and sometimes right. our readers will look at that and think this is real, which happens so often. It's it's unbelievable. It's there in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, what was it? Like it was on election night and I wrote like a clearly satirical column and I opened the paper the next day and it had satire over top of it. Like because they just had to label it, which I kills hate, everything. Uh, it's it kills the, worst. the joke. It's yeah. the worst. There's this kind of like built-in resistance amongst – artistic types to the post when it launched of like, oh, well, this is the conservative newspaper. Yeah. And then in the art section, it feels like, first of all, the staff feels a lot younger there. Yeah. It feels like there was like a, an incredible amount of latitude and appetite for experimentation. And yeah. it, like you sometimes get the sense people are just having fun in this part of the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the one thing, like I spent a lot of years, like when I go to a party and people ask me who I work for and I'd be like the post. I'm like, oh, like the Nazi post. Like it would just be like instant. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, have you checked out their art section? And they never did. Like, yeah, because instantly there's the stigma attached to it. Like people see it as a conservative paper and it is obviously like in the A section, but it's also loose. I mean, there's obviously columnists that are socially conservative, but for the most part, like there's kind of a libertarian streak through the paper and just like, you know, they're fiscally conservative, but they don't like rules mm-hmm. set up against them. So they kind of allow more jokes and kind of trying new things. Also just the fact that it's smaller, like the staff is smaller. Yeah. Like, cause I worked at the star for a while, um, like just a few months covering somebody's maternity leave, I believe. And like the number of steps I had to go through to get anything in the paper was unbelievable. And it would, right. just, it would never happen. I'd be written up by the union for like, I was once written up for, uh, I was doing a graphic and I had to like, you know, clip somebody's head out of a photo and put it into the graphic. And uh, I got a, a written notice from the union saying uh, that's somebody's job here. And uh-huh. there's, a, there's a department over here that cuts heads out of photos. Scab. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, geez, this is not like the post. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's totally free. And, uh, you know, I sometimes joke that the post is, feels like Canada's largest student newspaper. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I was uh, in university when they were staffing up the post and they yeah. hired 
like a ton of people from my university newspaper who were given like fairly big jobs. Yeah. Like, it felt like it was let's start a paper, let's get some young people who work their asses off for very little money, and let them got to fill these pages. And there yeah. was just a, a, a sense of like trying stuff out. Like the, the design was always very sharp. I think that like it, it kind of exposes one of the big secrets of, of Canadian political life or like, or, or just Canadian cultural life, which is that it's an illusion to think that it's a left to right divide as much as it's an old young divide. Yeah. Like yeah, it really definitely. feels like the, the right slant of the post is not as, as big a factor as just how staid and like the true conservatism of the globe and mail. Yeah. Uh, and to a lesser extent, the star, like those, like that's a hard place to like be young and have an idea. Yeah. But you see it changing, like uh, partly because a lot of my friends from the post have gone to the globe and uh, you're seeing them kind of having a bit more fun, yeah. you know, behind the scenes and kind of getting it into the paper as well. So it's it's nice to see. And like at the Post right now, it's definitely like we're kind of driven by the need to stay afloat. And so students tend to be the yeah. people we would go to for that. <laughs> but it, but, but it from works. the start, right? It's been on death watch from day one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it it's got to be as bad as it's ever been, I have to imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in year 15 of death watch. And is this a full-time gig for you? Uh, it's four days a week, technically. Okay. So, I'm, but I'm kind of, you know, the lines kind of blurred. Like, you know, you work on weekends, and Friday's my day off. But you know, if I have an idea, then I'll, I'll, I'll still, I'll still tackle it. But yeah, part of the idea because I work from home now, I can devote like the early part of my day to the post, and then I can tackle freelance stuff in the evening. Right. So that's when you find time to like draw a four-part comic book, comic book, yeah, like Image yeah. Comics professionally released, big slick-looking comic book. Yeah, just a little thing on the side. Being a former frustrated uh, cartoonist, yeah. like it, it, I, I would spend a week on a page, like it yeah. was, uh, I mean, an incredibly laborious thing. Oh, yeah. That the irony being that it takes ten seconds to read a page of yeah, comics. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, before this comic, I would still do other comics. You know, I've been doing them for ten years under under different names, uh, and it would take me about a week to do a page. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And also because I'm I'm anal and I can't let go of things like usually on a comic you have like a penciler and an inker and a letterer and a colorist but yeah. that's, that's just all me uh-huh. and it's and I'm doing all the design and stuff and, and I'm writing jokes and yeah it's uh, I was curious about that if, yeah. you, if you were uh, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of gag humor in, in sex criminals yeah yeah I was wondering if you had I mean that seems like a fun part of the job yeah for sure and you know I'm kind of because I'm there's the split like it's myself and the writer Matt Fraction and he's built a pretty big name for himself in comics. Like he's a, uh, he's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Marvel comics guy. So he's written Iron Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, basically all the kind of the big superhero comics. Um, I think he was a consultant on the Iron Man two movie. Like he's, Oh yeah. Uh, he's the name draw and he's the writer. And you know, I don't really step on his toes that much, but I like a good joke. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll tend to like make suggestions at the script stage or when we're lettering it to add some more jokes. And the background stuff is like, you know, that's that's when I get to uh, kind of unleash a bit. Like the scene in the sex shop where there's just tons of porno titles. <laughs> yeah. And I think in the first panel, I counted it up. I think I had like 47 jokes in the one panel. Yeah. Wait, who, who had black to the pooper? Oh, that was me. That nice. was me. Yeah. It's super juvenile. And yeah. I'll definitely cop to that. It's a comic for adults, but they can revel in the stupidity in the background. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Matt's got the higher ended, like he's kind of working on the story and the romance and the crime stuff. And I'm just like, I'm the 10 year old in the background. Dick jokes. Yeah. Dick jokes. Yeah. So not to say he doesn't contribute his share of dick jokes. Right. What was yeah. one? There was one porno title that was, uh, I didn't anticipate my life would come to this, but here I am. 
Yeah, a life not anticipated. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Okay, well, let's talk about what's going on now. What's going on? What's going on oh with, with, uh, with Apple? Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the iTunes store. They are. They create the finest products in the land. And I, I own so many of them. <laughs> and this is how they repay me. Yeah, uh, comics are still pretty healthy in print. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so we're doing fine on the print side, but obviously there's uh, digital's kind of increasing yeah. in the comics world. People are buying comics and reading yep. them on their tablets and phones and yeah. computer screens. Yeah, you know, it's a fair amount of kind of money being being thrown into it. And so there's, you know, there's third-party apps that distribute them. The main one is one called Comixology, and that seems to be the one that people kind of gravitate towards and, and use. You know, I don't have numbers for percentage, but I think it's like – it's very high. It's like they've kind of got the market – yeah, uh, dominated in terms of comic book distribution. So you, you download this this Comicsology app from the iTunes Store. Yeah, uh, yeah, the app is free, and then obviously you know you need credit card information to make your purchases, and you buy comics okay. within the app. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because that whole concept of the in-app purchase, I think, originated around Farmville type games where you like buy digital currency or you level up your character with a slingshot and you pay a dollar or something like digital that. Digital farmer's daughters. Like, I don't That's know. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there was a fair amount of controversy around unwitting parents downloading free games and letting their kids play it and then getting these massive credit card bills because the kid had just been like, oh, sure. Like I'm in a video game. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. buy, buy, buy. And, and uh, some level of confusion as to whether or not it was real money. I, I think all those kids knew. Yeah. But then you get into this new context where it's actually like you're buying cultural goods you're buying yeah. books yeah. through the app and that's an in-app purchase yeah and that's how comics get sold in comicsology yeah exactly that's where you ran into trouble yeah uh issue one was fine a lot of people were buying it from there uh, a month later when we released issue two it was not up there and we we found out from comicsology that apple was still reviewing it uh-huh. and we're like oh reviewing it like like apple's in-house curatorial editor. The iTunes store has people who go through all of the stuff that's sold there to see if it meets their standards and their guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the guidelines are pretty vague. Yeah. They kind of leave it at, uh, you know, whether it was appropriate for the public or something. Yeah. And so it was under review and then like we waited and we waited and uh, finally they just kind of sent an email off saying, yeah, we banned it. Yeah. Uh It's not going to be Uh available through us. But there's no specific instance. Like they didn't say, oh, it was like the breast shot on page nine or the... Yeah. The dildo is on page one through 30, you know? We should talk a little bit about what the comic is for a moment. I mean, to a censor's eye, looking through the content, you're seeing like uh, nudity, no explicit sex. No, I mean, there's there's sex for story's sake. There's sex in it, but it's not titillating. It's not meant to titillate. The idea of someone masturbating to our comic is so ludicrous. Like, it's just not pornography in that in that sense. Well, a 14-year-old will work with whatever they have. Well, they, but these days, they have plenty. They, yeah, they, they look at that and be like, oh, whatever. I guess the distinction I'm making is it seems like there's sort of like um, sex as you might see it in an R-rated movie and yeah. sex as you might see it in, in a porno. And this falls, you know, very specifically, it seems to me, the actual sex in the comic is movie sex that you'd see in an R-rated movie. Yeah. It's like an R-rated comedy. Yeah, you know, they don't really do those in comics. So this is like bridesmaids or forty year old virgin. But yeah, it's all it's all dick jokes and you know mm-hmm. nothing nothing you can't get through movies, certain television shows. No, exactly, all books. available freely through iTunes. Yeah. So I would submit to you that the reason why this caught their attention w- was because the title is Sex Criminals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, okay, I should explain the title is Sex Criminals, which is slightly misleading. 
they are not sex criminals. They are criminals who have sex. But the story is basically about a couple who they both discover individually that when they orgasm, they stop time. You know, a little sci-fi twist. And then they meet each other and uh, they decide to use that power for um, for ill-gotten gains and they rob banks. This is the punishment you receive when you when you pun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Punishment. Yeah. 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 Good job. Yeah. Now you have to leave here. <laughs> you know, the ban is getting a lot of attention. I'm reading about you in Wired and Hollywood Reporter and, and elsewhere. And um, there's a couple of issues that it, it, it sort of hits on. One is the hypocrisy of Apple who still sell it through their own app, yeah. the iBooks app, which has some a different curatorial censorship regime than what all these third-party companies are able to sell as in-app purchases. And that distinction is worth looking at. And the other thing I think is that you just sort of hit on a nerve around sexualized content, which is that like anything that seems to suggest in the slightest way possible crime, children, uh, rape, like like that, no, 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 you know, like that's where we – yeah, you know, and, and and I think that like there's probably not a lot of thought given to anything that comes close to that line. It's like we we don't want to be seen as doing business with that. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's surprising. Like, it's 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 sex. Like it's basically just sex. Like, like even like kind of modern superhero comics that probably should be kid friendly are extremely violent. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned rape, like. I, you know, I think every superhero comic going has had some sort of rape in it, and like people being torn apart, and the company that we're publishing through is the company that does Walking Dead. Yeah. And, you uh, know, there's some real horrific stuff in that book. Like mm-hmm. Torture and blood and mayhem and, like, you know, and it's their number one hit and it's, like, the number one hit TV show. But as I, soon as you introduce sex to it, it's just like, yeah, forget it. Forget yeah. It. From Apple's point of view, because the context for apps has been, you know, video games and little pieces of software – and the controversies that have you know come up so far have have had to do around like jiggling boob apps and yeah. roll a doobie apps and things like yeah. that. It would be hard to argue that those things are like pieces of art, and that you're censoring pieces of art. I don't discount jiggling boob app. <laughs> that is some fine fine work. You know what? There was some really interesting stuff done with the uh, physics uh, engine, <laughs> yeah. the gravity engine on that app. Yeah. You know, you yeah. shake the phone, and you're kind of getting into this territory of like, what is a creative work? We start to ask any kind of broker of cultural exchange like Apple, like how can you have one set of rules for books and movies and TV shows and, and music and then another set of rules for apps just because they're apps and, and video games. And I'm sure the video game community, you know, they do consider what they do to be creative work and, and artistic work. Yeah. Like can you imagine the outrage if they started like banning books from iBooks? Like yeah. there's, there's an, it's an optics thing. Like banning books is just like everyone's like – that's the headline they're afraid of. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, Apple bans books. Yeah, you want, I mean, the idea of like my mom not being able to read Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't want to live in that world. No, no, she'd flip the kitchen table and stab yeah. my father. It would be horrible. Yeah, she really likes that Oh, book. she really likes it. Yeah. She really likes it. Your mom. Oh, my mom. And so, you know, if you go to the iTunes store and, and search for sex criminals, you will find it as an iBooks purchase and you won't find it through Comixology. Yeah. Matt Fraction has said like, hey, it's their store. They can... You know, like they can do what they want. They can yep. sell what they want. This isn't censorship. It's it's banning. It's not. It's not. It hasn't been censored. It's been banned. Yeah, I mean, it's not censorship in the the strictest sense of the word. Like, but when you get into kind of the situation where it's it's almost it's almost monopolistic, and once it once it hits that point, 
You know, it's kind of yeah. like Walmart. Yeah, we've heard it's, that debate where, like, you know, kids who live in towns where Walmart is the only place to buy a CD. Yeah. I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> if Walmart bans that CD, it's effectively censored. You can't get it. Yeah. They, so now they ban the whole title. Yeah, they ban the whole title. Yeah. It, it seems anyways. Like, I think they're just like, well, why are we reviewing this? Like, let's just ban it outright. It's really funny. Like, I remember when I was a comics nerd, there was just this endless conversation about how to fix comics and what team comics needs to do to, to make comics a more lucrative and healthy industry yeah. for the art form. And, you know, that these direct sales comic shops weren't enough. And how are you going to get like, there was this whole thing about getting into the Barnes and Nobles and chapters of the world. And, oh, yeah. and then there was like a couple of voices saying, well, once this all moves online, then we're not dependent on these big chain bookstores that don't get comics. Yeah. And here we are online, and so much of the business is done through iTunes, which is the same situation in the music business. Where I mean, you could buy music anywhere, yeah. but so much of it is bought through iTunes. Yeah, and it's funny that they're effectively driving business back into comic book shops. Right. Like, it's, it's kind of amazing that, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it feels kind of like a brown paper bag situation. Like, you know, you go in and like, oh, yeah, I can't get this. I can't even get this online. Like, right. come on. <laughs> to be fair, it, I mean, it is available online. Like Image Comics, they have their own store. They and, sell and direct. They sell direct. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not as uh Yeah, I mean, the, the power of the marketplace that Apple has created is really dominating so many different cultural industries. Yeah. And as a, you know, mall owner, they're like a pretty shitty landlord. People yeah. are, are yeah. finding out like, and they just don't really answer to anybody and they can kind of come and just take items off of the shelf in your store. Yeah. And, and they don't have to kind of say why. Yeah. As if they had like a convenience store and we were putting out a product that was actually kind of like Cosmo Magazine meets National Geographic in terms of content uh, and that they were banning it because they were worried that parents would come in with stepladders for their children and put the stepladder down in front of the magazine rack and allow them to walk up and just root through the adult magazines while they <laughs> shopped in the store. Steve, like, writing about tech for the past few years, I've had to come up with so many, like, really complicated analogies to make things relate to things in the physical world. But that that's up there. I'm trying to wrap up. Oh, yeah, it's just like that. It's just like that with oh, yeah, the parents and like the stepladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, but it's disappointing too because you know both Matt and I are kind of we're Apple guys. Like, yeah, I've been doing all my design and comic book work using mm-hmm. Apple products for years. We promote it using Apple products. You know, I your covers look like iPod ads. I know <laughs> the uh, you know I surf for all my porn reference using Safari. Right. You know, it's like, really Safari. Well, no, no, that was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I kind of like, fit a little work. bit there. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, and it's a company that like they pride themselves on creativity. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're just like, well, creative to a point. Come on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's disappointing. And it's a comic my dad likes. Like if my dad likes it, <laughs> who has not appreciated anything I've done at all in my life, and if he likes it, like why would they ban it? Apple, why are you coming between Steve and his dad? I know, I know. What has the reaction been like from the comics community? Because this is like you know, first they come for my sex criminals, and then they come for my Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. Is there any talk of? the comics industry boycotting the iTunes store? Yeah, no, I don't think... Uh, comics has never been very good at organizing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the industry has a bit of a history of kind of poor treatment of creators by companies. And uh, I don't think this is the cause that everyone's going to all of a sudden pick up and, you know, form a united front against. You know, that's the only game in town. and mm-hmm. Like, we're in a good position because the comic is... We're losing money for sure off the digital hit. 
but uh, we're doing well enough that it's not going to affect us too badly. But like yeah. other creators, like they really rely on that money through the Apple store. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't expect anyone to all of a sudden like pull their product. And we should put this that. in context. Like what is a successful comic book these days? How many copies does it sell? Issue ones are a bit of an anomaly just because collectors want to have the collectors want one. issue one. We had a lot of kind of variant covers. So issue one, I think by the time it was all done, sold 46,000 copies. Oh, which is great. That like sounds I'm, great. Yeah. Yeah. It was well beyond what we were expecting. And like, you know, kind of looking at the sales charts, I'm like, Hey, we beat Superman this month and Iron Man. And like, yeah, you know, it kind of gives you a bit of a thrill because I've never done anything big through a company like this before. And because it's creator or owned, we retain a fair chunk of the profits Yeah, because we're not working through Marvel or DC. You know, issue two sales are lower. They're like 27,000, I think, something like that. And mm-hmm. like well beyond the thousand copies I printed of my <laughs> comic 10 years ago, you know. But I've always just kind of published myself and done conventions. And But then I got older and tired and <laughs> it became a lot harder. Or that like DIY punk comic kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, traveling with your black and white comic to try and make enough to get home. It's uh yeah. You, you did all that stuff. Yeah, I did all that stuff. So were you kind of like really interested in like there being like a comic scene in Toronto? And, you know, I think about Scott Pilgrim and like different things that came out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I moved to Toronto, uh, it was like 13, 14 years ago now. Where are you uh, from? From Barrie. Okay. Yeah. A couple comic shops there, but, you know, kind of weird basement shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I moved here and I kind of decided to like make a comic, first place I went was The Beguiling and they were the first people to kind of stock it for me and they kind of talked me through it. And it was pretty quick how you get involved in the comics community here. Like within the year, I kind of knew everybody and like yeah. we were all doing the same shows and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. And having a shop like The Beguiling is amazing. They've like, really played this role, like kind of yeah, the yeah. clubhouse, the, the yeah, institution um, at the center of everything. Yeah, they're they're like champions of the creators yeah. in, in Toronto and especially their own projects, like their own independent work. Um, like Scott Pilgrim, like that grew from the beguiling for sure. Hmm. I uh, lived in Montreal for a number of years and, you know, this uh, illustrator, uh, comics artist, Rupert Bottenberg was uh, hosting comic jams. And I remember just thinking yeah. that was like, oh, wow, like you can draw comics not alone in your room. Yeah. That's amazing. And like go to a party and, you know, I, I had this kind of idea that there'd be like women and it would be cool. And it, it was just a bunch of guys used to drawing comics in the room, drawing them in a bar instead. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone uh, with their heads down yeah. <laughs> happens to be a beer beside them. Yeah. But I was in denial. So I started throwing comic jams myself and we, we published a comic out of, uh, out of the university I went to there. And, and there was a healthy scene there too, but it was like the French comic scene was okay. hardcore punk rock zine yeah. type stuff. And but some really excellent illustrators. The level of, of drawing there and draftsmanship was incredibly high with some of these guys. Yeah, well, and women because there was – well, there was Julie Doucette. I don't know that I knew many others. Yeah, yeah. Still a bit few and far between. Yeah. yeah I used to do Toronto Comic Jams too. At the Cameron House, they would have them I think right. once a month. It always descended into dick jokes. Always. Yeah. You know, I would try so hard to steer each comic away from that. But <laughs> did you really? I did. I actually did because I'm just like, well, this is kind of – it's weird saying that now that I'm promoting a sex comic. But, you know, I'm like, oh, that's just the easy joke. You got to kind of go a little bit, right, a little right. bit higher than that. <laughs> uh, it was fun. Uh, the comics were always terrible that we produced. But you Yeah. Know, that's uh, the risk you run. Yeah. And so now you're, you're playing in the majors. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big deal now. Wow. <laughs> Like I said, on this book especially, like Matt is Matt is number one, and uh, it's exciting, right? Like yeah. kind of a breakthrough thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, 
yeah, and I've already had kind of like kind of offers from other companies to do like one-off covers and stuff for them. So it's kind of nice to be wanted, but the downside is I'm working two full-time jobs now and I just can't do <laughs> anything else. So what, I can't really capitalize on it. Which job will win? Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. The, uh, I don't know, the post has been, like you said, on death watch for 15, 15 odd years. So you're like, we're not getting divorced. My spouse will have to die. <laughs> Yeah, because I truly love her. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I love the post I'm so much. I'm really intrigued by this other woman. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I just can't leave my wife. Well, the other woman's so dead. unstable. That's the thing. Like, right, right. Like, you know, because comic sales can go up, they can go down. Like, you know, the idea of kind of throwing away my job for a job where I'm effectively back to freelance is way too scary. And the post is so, they're so good to me. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like, Do you think you would miss the... Like one thing that was uh, a disincentive for me with cartooning, in addition to a total lack of talent, was how solitary it was and the gap between when you would do something and when it would get read and the total disconnect with the world. You have no experience of people's enjoyment of your work. And you sort of like are this weird cartoonist flaneur and I like you're kind of cracking jokes on Twitter with political pundits and and journalists through the throughout the day. You're kind of like very quick in there with a cartoon or a graphic making fun of news events. It, it feels fun. It feels like you're having fun with the news and funny pictures about the news and videos and words about the news. And, and that feels very different to me than the life of a cartoonist. Yeah. 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 And that's, I, I don't think I could give it up. Like, you know, I pretty consciously kind of kept them separate for years. You know, you have separate names. I have separate the- names. They're kind of separate personalities. Like yeah. the Chip Zdarsky thing started, I worked at a U of T newspaper and they wanted me to do a comic, so I did it under this other name because I was doing a lot of work for the Globe at the time. I didn't want a conflict because I knew it was going to be kind of a dark comic. Yeah. And I'd already run afoul of the Globe doing stuff for the Post, so it was, it was kind of a tricky time. Hmm. But, like, I— Really, they begrudged you that, like, like, as if they're paying you enough to make a living, and then you go and you find work somewhere else, and, the, and they, they got hot about that. It was so funny because, like, it was early days at the Post, and I hadn't done a lot of illustration for them. I was, They offered me— a story to illustrate. I was so excited, but it was about like a globe makeover. I don't know. They went to color or something. This is going back as they wanted me to do an illustration of like uh, a globe and mail newspaper box and like a beauty salon chair. Somebody put some makeup on it. Right. You know, <laughs> so you're actually taking a shot at the globe. Yeah. So I'm just like, Oh, this is fun. So I did it. And then, uh, the next day I got a call from my editor at the globe and she's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm supposed to run a piece of yours tomorrow, uh-huh. and now I can't. Uh-huh. Because, and, you know, I think it was a bit tenser back then between Globe and the Post. Right. And so she was like, I have to pull the illustration. This person who satirized the Globe and Mail has illustrations in my Globe and Mail, and, I'm not, I, and therefore I won't read the Globe and Mail anymore? Yeah. Like, is that and the— nobody cares about the illustrators. That's the thing. Nobody's ever going to look at the illustration yeah. in the Globe, because it was like a facts and arguments page one. And nobody's ever going to look in that bottom left corner and see Steve Murray. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. I saw in the post the other day a tiny name that said Steve Murray. <laughs> his, his illustrations are contradictory. Yeah. It's very petty. It's very petty. But I kind of understood where she was coming from at the time. And she was so good to me. Like, she was a great editor. And, yeah. Uh, um, I kind of, yeah, I decided to come up with a separate name when I was doing stuff that I thought would run afoul of the globe. Hmm. And because I was doing kind of dark adult comics, I figured I should do that. And then I just like... I did everything online as Chip Zdarsky and I did uh, conventions as Chip. Like, 
I never revealed my real name to anyone. Oh, like anyone. You were at, you were like in doing live appearances as Chip. Yeah, yeah. I was traveling. I was traveling North America as Chip, and I had a whole persona. I had like these fake glasses and a cowboy hat. Uh-huh. And I even interviewed myself for my student newspaper. Steve interviews Chip, in which I'm like the sad sack in a basement painting. At a certain point here, we're not in like just having a gnome de plume for professional reasons. No, we're, no. We're into, we're into some like no fantasy role playing stuff. No, and it was like you know, it was a year after my divorce because I was married at a at an early age. Oh, therapist just has a field day with that. Like I, right. I created an entirely new persona with a new name and a new look, <laughs> and I would travel North America sleeping with random women. Yeah, like, it was just it, ludicrous. It was so basic psych. So when I ask you which job would win, I'm asking you: Do you want to be Chip or do you want to be Steve? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so yeah, there was there was a point where I was I would be so angry. Like there was somebody wrote a story and exclaim about the studio I was in, and they said, you know, Chip Zdarsky, also known as Steve Murray. Uh-huh. And I was so angry. I didn't talk to that person for like a year. And if somebody would call me by my name, Steve, at a convention, I would just like, I would I would fume. I would fume. I wanted that division so badly. What is that about? Is I, This feels yeah. like a comic book thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, because I started creating this kind of it was like a cult of personality. Like Chip Zdarsky was its own thing. And, I and Chip was more of like a fun-loving, globe-trotting... Sad sack. Uh-huh. Like I created him to be like this really sad pervert, yeah. essentially, which is definitely a part of me. Um, I'm not really exaggerating too much. <laughs> some days I'm more Chip, some days I'm more Steve, but... But you're a straight dude who like, you know, wakes up and goes to work every day. And, yeah, yeah. I have know. a job and a girlfriend and a house and a cat, but yeah. 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 Not Chip. Not Chip. No, he does not. Uh, over the years, I've, I've softened because also at that time, like, I wasn't really doing anything except for illustration as uh-huh. Steve Murray. And so when I started writing stuff and the post was like, oh, we need to kind of push online. I was like, oh, I've never been online as Steve before. This is weird. Right, right. And so I first did that just to kind of placate them at the post. But then I saw the Twitter followers, like, kind of switch. Like, all of a sudden, I'm became more popular as Steve than as Chip, and that's wildly uncomfortable Yeah, for me. Because and, Chip is supposed to be the more popular, more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's and now it's kind of, it's reversing again because of the Image comic, so it's like, yeah. I'm spending more time kind of promoting that, and yeah, it's... The Chip rises again. It has a weird balance. It's and weird is balance. Todd Diamond dead? <laughs> Hi, my name's Todd Diamond. I'm going to make you rich. rich. If you had a sense as a child that your parents didn't love you, it's because you were a financial drain, not a boon like child actors. My ex-wife, Karen, didn't understand this idea, so she took my son TJ away from me. Now I have no wife and no son, which frees up a lot of time to make money and teach people about making money. I'm Todd Diamond. I don't know, somebody wrote to me online the other day saying they wanted Todd Diamond to explain the Rob Ford scandal. It's so funny. Like it, it comes up every once in a while. Like I had a, um, I met with a financial advisor in our first meeting. I, I kind of, I don't even know why I brought up that. I, oh, I know a bit about finance. I do these videos, and I sent him the link to these. I, I know Todd, a bit about finance. Todd Diamond videos of me ineptly explaining financial things, and then like he told me later, he's like, I was, I was watching these, and a buddy came up to me. He's like, Oh my God, Todd Diamond. He's like, Yeah, I'm representing this guy. He's like, Are you, are you kidding? Like. Todd Diamond is like my password that I use here. <laughs> I think Todd Diamond is pretty big on Bay Street and nowhere else. It's 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 weird. I mean, Todd Diamond should be doing keynote 
speeches. I think so. Yeah. At, at like conferences for yeah. marketing and banking. I, I was laughing to myself because like the first one we did, I brought over the editor in chief and the managing editor and I sat them down and we hit play. And just like the fact that I was making them watch it made me laugh. Like I wasn't even laughing at what I had done. <laughs> Like, I'm like, these are like the two powerful people here at the yeah. post, and I'm forcing them to watch me. Like, J. Jonah Jameson and Perry White are taking a moment to... <laughs> yeah. Watching my dumb, dumb video. I'm amazed by some of the things that you... Get away with? Get away with <laughs> at the post and on Twitter. People who feel that they need to be respectful and respected and respectable. And a lot of people who are like, I am paid for my opinion and I'm a, I'm, I'm a pundit. I'm a pundit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are quite funny, actually. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Coyne's quite funny. Jonathan Kay is hilarious. Yeah. 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 Paul Wells is pretty funny. Paul Wells is very funny. But you don't have the same burden they do to kind of maintain any veneer of respectability at all. No. And you know what? The funny thing is, like, I've set kind of rules for myself. Like, on Twitter, I don't swear. Like, mm-hmm. I just won't do it. Like, I keep it actually as family-friendly as I can. So even if it's, like, a risque joke, like like this morning with the Rob Ford stuff, I'm just like, I can't, I can't write pussy. I just can't. Like, I've set up these rules for a reason. Yeah. And so I had to find all these weird ways around it, which were kind of risque, but they're still like... Do you think that as a comedy writer that that results in funnier stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely helps. But then I think everybody needs something like a Chip Starsky in their life. So I can like, I can be pretty straight for National Post and then I can turn around and I can just like yeah. say whatever the hell I want. It's Chip. I think that the kind of the community seems to need a, you know, a Steve Murray in that like <laughs> you people will respond to your tweets. You're kind of playing the fool sometimes and you're saying things that are, you know, I don't know, risque or just like uh, really suggestive or absurd. Yeah. And um, you it seems like you kind of have become this person who it's safe to like, you know, well, yeah. Steve, Steve saying what we're all thinking or, or yeah. uh, you know, he, he's allowed to say this stuff. And, and it's funny because that's, that's the other we'll rule. Retweet him, you know? That's the other rule I have for myself, which is. I'm the fool. Yeah. Like whenever I would do something in the paper where I'd cover an event or whatever, I have to be the one that looks like an idiot Mm -hmm. because or else I'm attacking people. Like it's pretty rare you'll find me attack people. Like the Ford stuff is like, you know, (laughs) it's it's well beyond the point of like I have to be careful about Ford. But And I don't know how you would make yourself the fool in in a story about the Fords. No, no. Yeah. So it's, it's all these weird. They seem to be working the rules. Like I kind of open myself up to like. People in the public and the other pundits can can poke fun at me, mm-hmm. like I'm this weird, demented pervert that somehow is working for the paper, but is all jovial and you know good natured. So yeah, you're a weird phenomenon. I, I actually couldn't see it happening in the states. I, I think yeah. it has to do with how close knit the community is here, where comedians sort of have their own club, and and comedians who are political have their own club yeah. in the states. Uh, but here, everyone kind of eats at the same table in the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, we all see each other at the same parties. Well, you've carved out an interesting niche for yourself, yeah. Steve. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long I can keep it up for. Um, all right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's a great way to end it. All right. <laughs> all right, you can go now. I'm done with you. Okay, that's your Canada Land show this week. Hope you liked it. If you listen to the show through iTunes or through RSS or through a different podcatcher, maybe check out my website at canadalandshow.com. That's where I put the videos. You can email me directly at jesse at jessebrown.ca. Tell me who you think I should have on the show or what you think I should be talking about. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. And the next podcast is going to be up on Monday. Hey, if you like this show, recommend it. 
hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.